What's going on, Football MD fam? Welcome back to episode 27 of the Football MD podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bowling, joined as always by my co host, Daniel Ronan. And on today's episode, we have your entire preview for every game, NFL Week 11, to get you ready to dominate your matchups this week. But first, as always, make sure you guys are heading over to Football MD Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, checking out all of the content that we're constantly pushing out over there. And head over to Football MD Podcast. Dot com to keep up with our college football corner, our Sully's picks, and all of the articles that our writers are working extremely hard to push out to you guys every single week. And into our first matchup, the Titans and Colts with an over-under line of 48 points. Marcus Mariota, after back-to-back solid performances, has high-end upside as a QB2 this week. He could even possibly finish against the quarterback one against the Colts, allowing 71.9% completion rate. That's the second highest in the NFL to quarterbacks and 7.8 yards per attempt. They also haven't been able to get after the quarterback and sack them too much. And then as far as in the run game, Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry... Henry has four touchdowns, but he's really just been dependent on those touchdown carries. The Colts have yet to allow a 100-yard rusher, so it's not the best matchup. But Deion Lewis gets another bonus in this matchup, being that the Colts actually do give up a decent amount of points to running backs out of the backfield through the air. They're actually uh, letting up the fourth highest amount of points in that category, and that obviously plays right into the Deion Lewis game. Lastly, in the passing game, Corey Davis, you know, he's had some ups, he's had some downs this week. We're just trusting the talent on this one. He's demanding a large majority of the target share. And the Colts aren't a scary defense. So you're definitely going to play him in this matchup. And at the tight end position, like we say, it's very weak. And Jonu Smith looked like he emerged. We talked about Jonu Smith in the beginning of the season a little bit. About how we liked his talent and about how one day Delaney Walker would no longer be there. It didn't come to fruition the way we thought it would. But Jonu Smith definitely be a sneaky tight end streamer going forward. And on the Colts side of the ball, Andrew Luck, of course, he's an every week quarterback one. Then in the run game, we said that Marlon Mack would have a tough time last week, and he posted just 38 yards against the Jaguars. And he will bounce back, but this is another tough one here as the Titans have one of the best run defenses in the NFL, allowing just three rushing touchdowns and no receiving touchdowns on the season to the running back position. However, with six teams on by, Marlon Mack, he's still a startable as an RB3. And Naeem Hines, who's had four or less targets in every game since Mack's return, is just a lower end running back four in PPR leagues. Then in the passing game, T.Y. Hilton, he'll likely see a lot of Adoree Jackson in this matchup. I'm still not avoiding Hilton this week. We've seen his targets increase in each of the last three games since returning from injury, and other speedy wide receivers such as Kenny Stills, Will Fuller, and Tyra Williams have all posted 100-plus yard games against the Titans, and of course it helps being the primary target for quarterback Andrew Luck. Then for the tight ends, Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron, this matchup looks bad as the Titans are currently the top defense against tight ends who still have yet to allow a touchdown to the position. However, this is a little bit skewed as Zach Ertz is the only top 20 tight end that they faced throughout the entire season and he caught 10 passes for 112 yards in that matchup. So I still have Doyle and Ebron as lower end tight end ones in this game. The next matchup of the week is the Steelers traveling to Jacksonville with an over-under line of 47 and a half. But I'll take the Steelers out of the ball. And honestly, we know what the Jacksonville Jaguars defense is. We know what it has been. But we also know that it hasn't been stellar as of late. So that combined with how good the Steelers offense is, you're firing those guys up. Ben Roethlisberger as well. The one position that you might have a little pause about is the tight end position because the Jags have still been very stout against that position this season, but six teams on by this week makes it pretty difficult to not have to dip into Vance McDonald as a streaming option 
And then on the Jaguars' side of the ball for quarterback Blake Bortles, since week four, the Steelers have held Matt Ryan, Andy Dalton, Baker Mayfield, Joe Flacco, and Cam Newton below 18 fantasy points. So you're avoiding Bortles as a streamer in this matchup. In the run game for Leonard Fournette, before Christian McCaffrey tore up the Steelers' defense last week, they had not allowed more than 84 total yards to any running backs on the season. So of course, Leonard Fournette, he's a stud, he's an outlier, and his work in the passing game keeps him game script proof, so you are starting him. But I do think that is worth noting as I'm projecting him for a lower end RB1 high end RB2 performance this week and then for the Jaguars passing game I'm avoiding all of these wide receivers Dante Moncrief is still my favorite option but there's just not a lot of upside coming from any of these pass catching weapons and up next is the Panthers traveling to Detroit to take on the Lions where the over under line is 52 so uh, Vegas is expecting plenty of scoring in this one and and honestly we can skip past Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey they're fantasy football studs you're going to play those guys but Devin Funches and DJ Moore that has that wide receiver core very suspect right now because Devin Funches started out pretty much as a wide receiver too but with DJ Moore garnering more snaps and more targets and Funches seeing less and less week in and week out due to not only DJ Moore but Greg Olson also coming back from injury it just Devin Funches doesn't seem like he has the high, as high of an upside and as high as high of an upside and as much opportunity as he was seeing in the beginning in the beginning of the season so it makes Devin Funches a difficult play same goes with DJ Moore this week he happens to have a little bit of a better matchup being that Funches more than likely will will draw big play slay and obviously, that's a top-tier corner. You don't want to push that matchup. DJ Moore, on the other hand, has Nevin Lawson, um, who has not been playing well for the Lions. And more than likely, he'll see most of DJ Moore. So DJ Moore looks like a better play this week. But really not too excited about this passing game as a whole, in my opinion. Christian McCaffrey eats up the targets. Greg Olson is the reliable asset for Cam Newton and and then on the line side of the ball for quarterback Matthew Stafford we said on last episode that we don't have much trust in him going forward but the Panthers have allowed 21 passing touchdowns over their last eight games including nine over the last two weeks and while Stafford hasn't been great he has thrown at least two touchdowns in seven of his last eight games so I was projecting him to have a fairly safe floor as a quarterback two in this matchup but I'm much less optimistic now that the news has broke that Marvin Jones will be inactive for this game so I'm a avoiding Matthew Stafford in this matchup and for the rest of the season as well unfortunately for the Lions run game this is another tough matchup as the Panthers have allowed the ninth fewest rushing yards and eighth fewest rushing touchdowns on the season and have held all running backs that they've played to just 25 receiving yards or less but we saw Kerryon Johnson put in work against the Chicago Bears last week and his increased involvement in the passing game makes him hard not to play as at least an RB2 meanwhile Theo Riddick has been playing essentially as a slot receiver and should see at least five targets in this game especially with Marvin Jones not being on the field making him a decent floor play running back three in PPR formats and then in the passing game Kenny Galladay he's going to be the prime beneficiary of no more Marvin Jones he saw 13 targets last week when Jones left the game early and although that didn't translate into much production opportunity is everything for fantasy football so I have him as a high-end wide receiver two this week with Marvin Jones out of the lineup And now we're into our next game of the week, the Dallas Cowboys heading to Atlanta to play the Falcons in a game with a 47.5 point over-under. On the Cowboys' side of the ball, Dak Prescott is actually averaging 19.4 fantasy points per game over his last six games. That's more than Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady, and Russell Wilson have averaged on the season. The Falcons have also allowed quarterbacks to finish with 20 or more fantasy points in seven of their last eight games. So Prescott is actually a solid streamer here this week. 
And a big part of that has to do with the addition of wide receiver Amari Cooper, who has now caught 11 of his 18 targets for 133 yards and a touchdown in his first two weeks as a Dallas Cowboy. I also think Cooper is a solid wide receiver two here in a plus matchup. And on the other side of the ball for the Atlanta Falcons, obviously you're starting your studs, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones. The Cowboys defense has held the Eagles running back to just 64 scoreless yards last week, and Chris Carson is the only running back to surpass 100 yards against them on the season. But Coleman is just seeing way too many touches to pass up on it. Ito Smith, on the other hand, in my opinion, is not really worth a play. He's kind of just eating into Tevin Coleman's value a little bit. But if you need a shot in the dark, you could do worse because the Falcons play much better at home. So there should be plenty of points being scored in this one for Ito to get an opportunity at the end zone. And in the passing game between Calvin Ridley and Mohamed Sanu, it's not really a great matchup. But I do think Calvin Ridley is still worth playing this week. Like I said, the Falcons just put up way too many points. And at home, I just don't see how they're not going to be putting up, scoring a bunch of points. It's the only way they're going to be competitive in this game. And then the last, lastly, just to, just to uh, wrap up, Austin Hooper is somebody who's definitely been ga- gaining a lot, a lot of ground in the past few weeks. He's been getting more targets. He's becoming more involved. He scored a couple touchdowns. But this is a bad matchup. The Cowboys are really, really good against tight ends. They have really great linebackers who can cover well. They're fast in space. Leighton Vander Esch with his first interception last week. So I would personally stay away from Austin Hooper this week against the Cowboys. And for our next game of the week, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling to New Jersey to play the New York Giants in a game with a 51-point over-under. On the Buccaneers' side of the ball, Ryan Fitzpatrick was named the starter on Monday, and he now has 400 passing yards in four of his five starts this season. Meanwhile, the Giants have also given up the second-most rushing yards to quarterbacks on the season. And I'm really not expecting the Giants' secondary to be able to keep up with the Buccaneers' pass catchers, so I still have Fitz as a low-end quarterback one this week who should be able to provide some value with his legs as well. For the Buccaneers' run game in two games without Damon Harrison, the Giants have allowed 5.8 yards per carry and two rushing touchdowns. I wouldn't be overly surprised if Barber does perform as a mid-to-low-end running back two this week, but I'm still not trusting him in my lineups as anything more than an RB3 with less than 450 yards rushing total on the season. And in the passing game, Mike Evans, he's caught just four of 16 targets for 67 yards over the last two weeks. However, he's still a high-end wide receiver two for me. You never know when he's going to go off and have that big game, and you're going to be wishing he was in your lineup. So someone like Evans, you're going to keep on rolling him out and deal with the tough weeks when they come. For Chris Godwin, the snap counts are frustrating, but he should see a lot of B.W. Webb this week, who has allowed 111.6 quarterback rating in his coverage throughout his career, making Godwin a risky but high upside wide receiver floor play this week. Deshaun Jackson, he's still a boomer bust low-end wide receiver three. And the tight end O.J. Howard, he is the most reliable pass-catching option on this team. You're starting him week in and week out as well. And as for the Giants, a team that seemed like they were you know, out of hope, has a good chance to stream a couple of good performances in a row here at home but the Bucks also do have a top rated offense at the same time so they are gonna have to score to keep up Eli Manning that's a dream matchup you can probably pencil him in as a high-end quarterback too so if you need a streaming option he could probably provide that for you this week obviously Yodo Bug Jr. in the passing game Barkley in the run game but also in the passing game Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram. Sterling Shepard has seen at least seven targets in each of his previous six games before Week 10, making him a high upside wide receiver three in a, in this matchup. Like we said, it's a plus matchup. And Evan Ingram, 
Bucks have allowed the second most points per game to the to the tight end position and a league leading 701 yards allowed to the position. So Evan Ingram obviously has a cushy cushy matchup at home in a game that you're expecting a ton of points. This looks like a good play. Evan Ingram's seen 14 targets over the last two weeks, making him a very solid tight end one, in our opinion, for this upcoming week. And now right into our next game of the week, the Houston Texans playing the Washington Redskins in a game with a 42.5 point over-under. On the Texans' side of the ball, Deshaun Watson should be healthier than we've seen coming out of the Texans' bye, and now he'll face a Redskins defense that has allowed 330.5 passing yards per game since their week four bye. The Redskins will, however, be able to put a ton of pressure on Deshaun Watson, but I am expecting Watson's athleticism to help him overcome that keeping him in that low-end quarterback one category for this week. Then in the run game, Lamar Miller disappointed after back-to-back 100-yard games going for just 21 yards on 12 carries against the Broncos in week nine before their bye, a game in which Alfred Blue actually got more carries and more yards than Lamar Miller. Now he'll face a Redskins defense that has been brutal against running backs this season with Tevin Coleman's huge game last week being an outlier on the season, so I'm not projecting Miller as anything more than a high-end running back three this week. And then in the passing game, Demarius Thomas and Kiki Kuti. Thomas now has had a few weeks to learn the playbook and build rapport with Deshaun Watson. I'm expecting him to see a lot of seventh round rookie Greg Stroman on the majority of his routes this week. So that's a matchup that he should be able to take advantage of, making him a fairly safe floor wide receiver three for me this week. And Kuti, while it's no luck that he does play this week, he could be pretty involved in the short passing game, especially if Lamar Miller can't get anything going in the run game. But I have him as a wide receiver four this week, returning from a multi-week injury. And if you are relying on him, make sure you're checking his status going into Sunday's games. On the other side of the ball, Alex Smith is not the player he once was with the Kansas City Chiefs. He is not a startable option in fantasy football. He's averaging just over 200 yards per game and has failed to pass 200 yards multiple times this season. Adrian Peterson, who started out red hot, has come back down to earth, and it's really not his fault. It's There's a lot of injuries along the offensive line, and because of that, he hasn't been able to produce even against matchups as easy as the Falcons and the Bucks in the past two weeks. You're still rolling him out in a tougher matchup against the Texans because of his high opportunity, his high involvement. He's get, getting still over 20 carries a game. And as long as he is not game scripted out in the passing game, he's going to get a ton of work giving you RB2 numbers. And in the passing game, Jameson Crowder is ruled out. So Maurice Harris is the only guy I'd be interested in starting because He's been trending in the right direction. He's been getting a lot of the targets. He's been productive when he's seeing a lot of targets. And without Jamison Crowder, who is probably their best pass catcher, I think Maurice Harris continues to trend in the right direction. At the tight end position, Jordan Reed, we know how volatile he is, up and down. He's healthy. He's not. But as long as he's playing, he's too talented to not play right now. Six teams on by. You're rolling with Jordan Reed this week. And up next, the Bengals take on the Ravens in Baltimore in a classic AFC North showdown. And Andy Dalton, just no. Just don't do it. <laughs> don't do don't it do it. Yourself, the Ravens guys. defense is just way too good. I don't no, no AJ Green. Yeah, no way. So Joe Mixon, he's hard to sit because of how good he's been, because of where you drafted him. It's tough to sit him. He's not gonna he does not have a good matchup, so you're probably gonna roll him out. But buyer beware. His usage in the passing game is almost non-existent, and the Ravens have allowed just two top 15 running backs all season. So if he doesn't score a touchdown, he's not looking at a high 
yardage total in this one. They're very stout against the run. So, yeah, tough matchup. You're definitely rolling them out, but definitely temper expectations for Joe Mixon this week. And in the passing game without A.J. Green, they seem out of sync. And we talked about the tough matchup. That goes straight to the passing game as well. But Tyler Boyd and John Ross, Tyler Boyd is going to step in as the more targeted option and probably give you a safer baseline where Ross is more of the boomer bust option who gives you high upside with his big playability. And then on the Ravens side of the ball, the quarterback situation is currently very unclear. Joe Flacco, he's listed as doubtful and we don't know if he does sit if it'll be Lamar Jackson or RG3 behind center. So this is a situation you just don't want to be relying on at all going into this weekend. And in the run game, I love Alex Collins in a must-win game for the Ravens. Collins will have some fresh legs coming out of the bye against a banged-up Bengals defense that has allowed 955 yards on 174 carries. That's 5.48 yards per carry, as well as seven touchdowns over the last seven games. Not to mention, they were just on the field for 74 plays against the Saints last week, and the Bengals just fired their defensive coordinator. So I know that Collins has been difficult to trust this season, but this seems like the perfect storm for him to have a solid day. I currently have him as a borderline RB1 for week 11. And then in the passing game for wide receiver John Brown, I have Brown as a wide receiver three this week as he'll match up against Dre Kirkpatrick for the majority of the game who has allowed 15.6 yards per reception in his coverage this season. But keep in mind that John Brown has totaled less than 30 yards in four of his last four games. So there's definitely some risk in relying on him here. Then you have Michael Crabtree. He currently ranks 14th in the NFL on targets, which is awesome. But he hasn't had more than 66 yards all season and has scored just once since week one. So I currently have him as a wide receiver four as he'll be matched up with William Jackson, who has actually been pretty solid in his coverage this season. And then Willie Sneed, he continues to be a high floor, low ceiling wide receiver floor play for teams in a pinch. And I'll move right into our next matchup of the week, the Oakland Raiders taking on the Arizona Cardinals in a game with a 40 and a half point over under. On the Raiders side of the ball, quarterback Derek Carr has now failed to score a touchdown in three of his last four games without Amari Cooper. And the Raiders offensive line has allowed 12 sacks over the last two weeks. You're just avoiding Derek Carr. He's not even a streaming option this week or going forward most likely. In the run game, Doug Martin and Jalen Richard have combined for 269 total yards over the last two weeks, although they have not found the end zone. The Cardinals, however, are allowing the third most points per game to the running back position, so I do think both guys here, Martin and Richard, should get enough work to finish as running back threes this week, and I think there's some RB2 upside for Jalen Richard in PPR formats. And then for tight end Jared Cook, the Cardinals have held Travis Kelsey and George Kittle to just 11 receptions, 103 yards over the last two weeks. However, with Martavis Bryant and Jordy Nelson both out for this matchup, Carr will need someone to throw to other than Jalen Richard, so Cook should see enough targets to finish as a safe tight end one this week. And on the other side of the ball for the <clears throat> Arizona Cardinals, this offense is obviously something that you're looking to avoid. We don't have to mention... David Johnson, who's an every week starter because of volume. But in the passing game, if you're looking for a wide receiver streamer, Larry Fitz and Christian Kirk, the edge goes to Larry Fitz in this one. He has 38 targets to Christian Kirk's 26 over the past four games. And the spread is only 40 in this one. So there's not going to be a ton of scoring. Uh, so I wouldn't try to split hairs between the two of them. I would go with the better talented player, the veteran Larry Fitzgerald, or I wouldn't touch this offense at all. Except for, again, at the weak tight end spot, because Ricky Seals-Jones is a solid streamer this week, as the Raiders have been one of the worst defenses in the NFL to the tight end position. And, of course, also be interested in streaming the Arizona Cardinals defense. They have they are averaging nine points per game since week five, and 
the Oakland Raiders are allowing 8.8 points per game to defenses. So it's a good matchup. Start your Arizona Cardinals defense this week. Moving on to the next game of the week, the Broncos travel to L.A. to take on the Chargers in an AFC West matchup. And in the backfield for the Broncos, Royce Freeman set to return. And we're not trusting him. Phillip Lindsay has just been too good. You can't trust Freeman coming off of a high ankle sprain and a poor matchup, being that the Chargers have only allowed three rushing touchdowns this season. It's a tough matchup, so don't trust Royce, but you still have to play Phillip. He's just been too good so far this season. He gets involved in the passing game. He's involved in the run game. He's the most talented guy in the backfield. I definitely, definitely put out Philip Lindsay this week, but just expect a little bit of a, just temper your expectations this week a little bit. And in the passing game, Emmanuel Sanders here, he could draw Casey Hayward, who's a dominant cornerback in the NFL. And their defense is just overall pretty good. So, so it's not the best matchup, but Emmanuel Sanders is the number one wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. Undoubtedly, now that Demarius Thomas has left, I find them moving him all over the field, play him in the slot, play him outside, get this guy opportunities and get the ball in his hand. So definitely, definitely going to start Emmanuel Sanders this week. But Cortland Sutton, he is not going to benefit this week. I would not, I would not push your luck. This is a tough Chargers defense. They're getting better and better every week. If Joey Bosa goes this Sunday, they're going to be astronomically even better than they have been as, as of late. He brings the pass rush. The pass, pass rush benefits coverage, benefits their entire game plan. So Cortland Sutton, I would, I would leave him out of the lineups this week. Emmanuel Sanders is a good play, but Cortland Sutton, I'd leave that to a better matchup. And then on the Chargers side of the ball, Phillip Rivers has not topped 22 fantasy points since week one, but he has thrown two touchdowns in every game this season. So he's a high floor, low ceiling quarterback to play for me this week. In the passing game, Keenan Allen, you're probably starting him, but I really can't see anyone feeling 100% confident with him in a matchup against Chris Harris Jr. Allen should see plenty of targets, but he's nothing more than a low-end wide receiver two for me this week. I'm forced to start him in one of my leagues, and I'm really hoping he just finds the end zone in this matchup. Then you have Tyrell Williams, who could certainly see some more targets here with Allen being covered by Chris Harris Jr., but Williams is still just a wide receiver four for me, but... He does have a lot more upside than other players in that same wide receiver three, wide receiver four range. So Williams, if you're looking for that ceiling play, he could be your guy this week. Tyrell Williams, that is, not Mike. Mm-hmm. Got <laughs> Definitely have to explain that one. And we'll hop right into our next game of the week, the Philadelphia Eagles going up against the New Orleans Saints in a game with a 55-point over-under. Of course, you're starting Carson Wentz in this matchup. Before the Eagles run game, the New Orleans Saints are allowing a league low 3.28 yards per carry, and no running back has surpassed 69 rushing yards against them. This includes Todd Gurley, Saquon Barkley, and just three running backs have finished in the top 20 against the Saints this year. So... You're really just avoiding the Eagles' backfield. I do have Smallwood as a high-end running back four, Adams as a touchdown-dependent running back four, and Clement as nothing more than a desperation play. So like I said, I'm avoiding them all, but if you are forced to start one of them, that's how I would have them ranked. In the passing game, Alshon Jeffrey has had just 83 yards total over the last two weeks, but that was against the Jaguars and the Cowboys, two of the top three defenses against wide receivers in the NFL, and I know that he'll be shadowed by Marshawn Lattimore in this matchup, but Jeffrey is one of the better contested catch wide receivers in the NFL, so I'm still trusting him as a wide receiver too in a game with such a high over-under. 
And then you have Golden Tate and Nelson Aguilar. The Eagles are going to need Golden Tate to exploit a favorable matchup in the slot against P.J. Williams. I think he'll see a lot more than the four targets that he saw last week, keeping him as a lower-end wide receiver two for me in this matchup. Well, Nelson Aguilar is a high upside wide receiver four for me, as he'll be matched up likely against Eli Apple, who has allowed 236 yards and two touchdowns in his coverage over the last three games. You know, this is some ground-breaking analysis here. Start your New Orleans Saints. Drew Brees, stud. Michael Thomas, stud. Elvin Kamara, stud. Mark Ingram, half a stud. Diet stud. But, but, but still <laughs> worth playing. <laughs> but still worth playing. So, yeah, no doubt here. Just, you know, roll away your Saints. They're just too good this year. Arguably one of the better teams in the league. So, not much to go through there. And in our next matchup, our second-to-last matchup, our Sunday night primetime matchup, the Vikings take on the Bears. And this is set to be a huge game for the division. Both of these teams fighting for an NFC playoff spot. Adam Thielen is no question. Stefan Diggs, it looks like he's trending in the right direction to be healthy. You're starting him as a solid wide receiver too. Dalvin Cook, the Bears defense is top notch, so don't expect a great matchup here, but Dalvin Cook can do it all. I've been pounding the table for a long time that he's a top tier elite running back in the NFL. He can run, he can catch. So in my opinion, it won't take him out of the game script because he'll be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. He'll be able to run the ball. He'll get plenty of opportunities. I think Dalvin Cook, although it's a tough matchup, I'm not saying he's going to be the best running back in the week. I do think Dalvin Cook is talented enough to at least overcome a tough matchup and at least give you a double-digit fantasy, give you a double-digit fantasy production this week. And then on the Bears' side of the ball, the Vikings' defense has actually been playing lights out despite their game against the Rams, where they traveled across the country on a short week. However, they have allowed three rushing touchdowns, two quarterbacks on the season, so Mitch Trubisky could be effective with his legs in this matchup, but I still have him as a mid-range quarterback too this week, although I really do like his schedule going forward, so if you were looking for a streaming option, make sure you're not dropping Mitchell Trubisky this week. In the Bears' run game, Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard, game script has definitely favored Howard recently, but the Vikings have allowed just 3.66 yards per carry and two rushing touchdowns on the season. So I have Howard as a mid-tier running back three this week, while Tariq Cohen should be heavily utilized in the passing game, making him a solid running back two. And then in the passing game, Allen Robinson should see a ton of Xavier Rhodes this week, but Rhodes really hasn't been as much of a shutdown corner as he has in years past, but of course, it's not an ideal matchup. However, Robinson also moved into the slot on about 37% of his routes last week, which would keep him away from that Xavier Rhodes matchup. So I still have him as a wide receiver three this week against the Vikings. And prepare yourself, guys, because this last one is going to be a long one. There is so much to talk about in this Chiefs-Rams matchup with an over-under line of 64 points. So expect plenty of scoring in this one. And on the Chiefs side of the ball, you're starring everybody. Set them and forget them type guys. Sammy Watkins, on the other hand, you have to monitor his foot injury and his status for in this upcoming week. And it's also obviously a little nerve-wracking. You know, it's good that he gets the extra benefit of an added day playing on Monday night to get healthy and make that availability. But also, it's tough to rely on a player who plays on Monday night and may not even be active for the game. Hopefully, we hear more about his availability today before we get into Sunday and these games start happening. And besides Sammy Watkins, there's literally nothing else to talk about for the Chiefs. You need to be starting all your Chiefs, and especially in this matchup where there's going to be a ton of scoring. Just enjoy the show on Monday night, guys.
And then on the Rams side of the ball, of course, you're starting the same guys that you're starting every single week. However, with Cooper Cup no longer in the lineup, we do have to talk about Josh Reynolds. He should be on the field a ton as the Rams do run the most three wide receiver sets in the NFL and with such a high over-under, there are definitely worse flyers out there. But I will say the Chiefs have allowed just seven top 36 performances to wide receivers on the season. So I'd be hard-pressed to, to trust Josh Reynolds as anything more than a wide receiver for this week. And then for the tight ends, Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby, both are just flyers. However, Everett has been the one that's been getting targeted as of late. And the Chiefs have allowed the second most yards to tight ends on the season. So you can definitely expect some production from this part of the field and I think you can trust Everett as a tight end too here and with Tyler Higby you're really just hoping for a touchdown but of course this is something that we say every week in some type of matchup you can do a lot worse than starting a tight end on a high powered offense in a game with a high over under and that is all we have for you this week guys we we do want to stress you know really enjoy this Monday night game you're looking at what could be the Super Bowl this year. You know, you have a top team in the NFC and the top team in the AFC. Who do you think comes out on top, Mike? I'm going with the Rams. I'm just taking the stronger defense on this one. Both offenses are obviously extremely high powered. They have the run game. They have the weapons in the passing game. So I think it's really going to come down to what defense can slow down the unstoppable offense on the other side of the field. Yeah, and the Chiefs defense has been playing as of late. And I was honestly really intrigued by the fact that they were supposed to play this game in Mexico City. They obviously flexed it back to L.A., which is a huge advantage for the Rams. I was I was on the fence, but I do think the at-home advantage on a Monday primetime night game, that benefits the Rams, and that might give them the slight edge they need to walk away with a win in this, in this one. So that's all we have for you this week, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Remember, as always, to check out our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at FootballMDPod, where we have everything you need to know to get you ready for your matchups each and every week, and so much extra bonus content on there, so you can get that football fix you're looking for. And also, don't forget to check out our website, FootballMDPodcast.com, where we have the Sully Says page written by James Ruka and the College Football Corner written by Christopher Ronan. They're both doing an excellent job bringing you everything you want to know about college football and your game spreads and lines each and every single weekend both college and NFL so they're working very hard to deliver each and every week of the season and they've been able to do so we really appreciate the work they're putting in if you guys go check it out we're sure that you'll appreciate that content it's high quality content and thanks again for joining us until next time guys good luck this week guys until next time